Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The COB is presented by Rabobank, awarded 2023 SMSF Savings Bank of the Year by Mozo. Well, good afternoon. Okay, so just past 4 p.m. on a Friday. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I just feel disheveled after this day. <laughs> I mean, that was a wild ride, wasn't it? It was a wild ride. I was just thinking I need to, you know, like cool down a bit. It's been it's been a very, very busy day. But look at these markets turning I around. I know. It was so dire when we got on air, you know, after really, you know, bad session on Wall Street, down by 1.8% for the NASDAQ as this higher for longer mantra really set into markets. Mm. Um, down by about 1.7% in the 10 o'clock hour. I was thinking, oh boy, this yeah. is going to be bad. And then... But that was kind of the the low, right? And then it started to ratchet higher. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we did actually start to see some buying coming through in Asia, specifically China and Hong Kong. I was just talking to Daniel Hines as well from ANZ about that potentially better looking picture for China and how much that supports our mining players too. And when you look at the, the miners, I mean, they've turned around quite significantly this afternoon. Yeah, they sure have. You know what else has is energy. Mm. And um, look, it's one of our key three themes today as well, because yet we will be talking about the BOJ, don't worry. (laughs) Um, But also, we saw the oil price turn around, and that helped lift some of the energy names. And that's happening off the back of really, uh, you know, some news around Russia. So it's it's such a, a a double-edged sword, right? Because mm. we talk about oil price and it's boosted some sectors and some stocks, but then it also is very inflationary. inflationary and yeah. that's been one of the key themes from this week as well. Indeed. Uh, just sticking a little bit with the oil and gas movement, though, because I know we've got those strikes settled. I mean, that's yeah. good news, too, for the LNG market. Um, again, not many analysts were thinking that was really going to rattle things, even though those two plants account for about 7% of total LNG output. But the fact that Chevron and those workers have come to an agreement, also positive news, it means that they will start loading those exports onto the tankers, getting the supply chain going again. Um, but talking about inflation where you don't really see that, although it is spiking higher than what the BOG likes, um, was the Bank of Japan decision. Yeah, so inflation stayed above the Bank of Japan target for the 17th month in a row. But there wasn't a lot of change coming from the BOJ ultra loose policy still in place. Um, I had a conversation with Andrew Tysers from Nomura earlier mm. today, and he said sometimes with the BOJ, it's not what they do, it's what, what they what omit they do. and yeah. what they don't do. And look, it doesn't look as if very much really was done here. We might ask Shane Oliver about that one a little later on because he is one of our big guests today, our guest of the day, yes, I should say, indeed. our weekly wrap. Um, sector-wise, I just, you know, Granted, I, I did this and had a look at this a little bit earlier on, so I'm really curious to see if anything has changed. But, <clears throat> excuse me, interest rate 
sensitive sectors like the A REITs, you know, you can see mm. what happened here. It was the worst performing sector. Yes, indeed. So Stockland down by about 2% there. Interesting, uh, Stuart Roberts, I was talking to him earlier. He really likes the REITs space, uh, thinking it's looking a bit undervalued at the moment. Uh, let's have a look as well at tech because that's another one that is very much hit hard by those yields. And that was weakness, uh, where you saw a lot of weakness on Wall Street. And we've got block down 2.5%, Wise Tech down by one3 the retailers, Juliet, also mm. came under pressure, but a bit mixed, more of a mixed picture here, as you can see. There's usually another list that we can look at as well. Guess what? We've got retail sales data next week. Mm. And again, just name dropping Andrew Tysers again. <laughs> he was talking about, you know, the impact that we could see from the FIFA Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah. yeah so he said that there might be a few caveats, a few asterisks mm. when it comes to reading this retail uh, next Interesting. report. I think that had a play into the jobs numbers too. Uh, also, what are we looking at there? Is that utilities or consumer staples? Yeah, so the what you're gonna where you're gonna buy your shopping from uh, this weekend? Woolies down by four tenths of one percent. Coles also under pressure. I know you've got Treasury wine estates on the mar on your I mind. I do because when I was on air at ten, which seems like yeah. a really long time ago, yeah. I'll be honest with you, I thought why is Treasury bouncing? And then I saw in a note that um, the Global Times, it's a Chinese publication, had uh, been alluding to the fact that we could see a thawing of mm. the trade sanctions, really, that have been put in place against Aussie wine. So, um, you know, immediate immediate reaction there with Treasury Wine Estate. I'm also thinking it's Friday and we should really have a glass of wine in here with okay. us. I, I think I need to talk to Kylie about doing this show with a glass yeah. of wine on Fridays. You know what, we're a streaming <laughs> service. I sort of feel like we could get away with it, Juliet. I don't feel like we're going to get in a lot of trouble. No. Um, utilities. Utilities. Let's have a look at what is happening there. AGL down nine tenths of one percent. A little bit mixed there. Contact energy up by about a third of one percent. Yeah. And again, just to speak of the big turnaround that we've had through the day to day, you know, when we were putting this bulletin together, I don't mind lifting up the hood on what we do around here. Um, I hadn't sort of, well, energy was just barely, you know, as a sector into positive territory. I don't think materials was. Mm. So we've now got utilities, industrials, energy and materials ending this Friday session in um, positive territory. That's not, you know, potentially what we had expected when the day moved on. And I think it's also worthwhile noting that we are up above the 7,000 level yes, again. Yes, we were a bit worried that we wouldn't mm. be. Still down 3% over the last five days, but unchanged over the year, and that is what matters. Um, what are we seeing in terms of corporates? Well, it's about News Corp, isn't it, it? Well, yeah, News Corp is there as well. Costa Group accepted that takeover mm. offer. ACL, uh, the deal with Helios, you know, the ACCC wants to have more information. New Hope, I just put that on there because uh, again, the coal miners uh, did pretty well today. New Hope, I'm surprised to see it just flat, but because we saw a lift in the price of coal. But yeah, a lot of it about News Corp. I have a feeling you're a succession. Um, so I, I wasn't. And then people started saying it was the best show ever. And as you know, I had a bit of a sabbatical. I went traveling. And so poor me had nothing to do for eight months, binged it on Netflix. And now I think I'm Succession's biggest fan. Oh, so really? um, I did wonder whether he and I don't know, only Succession fans are probably going to understand this. Did Rupert Murdoch underline Lachlan's name? Have you seen it? I have, I, I'm okay. only up to season three. Oh, real fans will understand what I'm talking mm, about there. Okay, well, let's find out if our two guests on the call today are real fans <laughs> of News Corp. Mark Gardner from NPC Markets and Kevin Robinson from Team Invest. In the case of News Corp, of course, the earnings per share hasn't it, they've made a few losses in the last 10 years and 
you know, the growth is not sort of as steady as we'd like. Um, and, uh, you know, their PE at the moment is 42 uh, by our by our measures, and we, we look backwards on PE, of course. Uh, and the return on equity is below our required uh, 10% and has been for a while. Uh, you're right. It has been quite a ride with uh, News Corp over the years, and he's certainly grown an enormous business. Um, I think I, my own thoughts are that it's it's a difficult period for them because it was established in the days when uh, broadcast media and newspapers were, you know, really, really strong investments. And that's breaking down now. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what Lachlan does with it. It may well be a positive in the end. I mean, it, it, um you know, he's obviously got some pretty strong opinions about things, and you know, yeah. they may, which which he may or may not be right right with. But they're looking at um, I think News Corp as a company. They're looking at sort of monetising some AI stuff as well. Mm. Um, I think the EU is even looking at uh, you know trying to regulate the AI. And if you're obviously if these guys produce their own unique content because um, they've got journalists, etc. Um, they're being royalties going back to media companies and things like that as well. Yeah. So that may benefit them. Um, you know, rising populations always a great benefit to them as well they're in you know as you said very diversified digital streaming newspapers rea etc um look for us we you know these yields at the moment obviously um 10 year yields were up about 15 basis point last night yeah uh two yields are nearly at like 22 year highs or they're sitting on 22 year highs so anything with a high pe we're tending to avoid at the moment um and particularly with you know i we're not a we're not a subscriber to the goldilocks scenario or the soft landing so this business is pretty cyclical so it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a buy for us but Let's get to Shane Oliver from AMP who joins us for the final chat of the week. Uh, are you a succession fan or more importantly, how did you view uh, what we heard happening with the change there at News Corp? It seems like the market taking it as this has been sort of widely flagged to us. That's right. Look, I, I have watched some of succession. I haven't watched all of it. I've still got some, uh, I think I'm still a few series behind at present. Um, I must admit it is a good series. It's just that I found other ones on Netflix and, and <laughs> elsewhere that seemed to distract me. In terms of News Corp, yes, I think it was widely expected. Uh, so it didn't really come as a surprise to anybody. And after all, he is 92 years old. So sooner or later, it was going to happen. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be business as usual for the time being. But over time, um, his successes will um, change things around a little bit. And obviously, the environment they're operating in is very different to the one when he when he uh, built News, News Corp up over the last 50 years or so. You're in front of the music section of your library today, <laughs> Shane. Um, I dare say there might be a book on Murdoch somewhere in that collection, if not now, in the future. Let's leave that. I think there because, is, actually. Yeah. I think it's, it's just down that way. <laughs> <Yeah. but. laughs> um, the market. Now, I was reading your note, as I always do, and, uh, you know, global markets clearly came under pressure this week, including our own. And you reckon that there is still a risk of, you know, more significant selling to come. Why? Uh, Several reasons. Uh, I mean, it's interesting to note the U.S. share market last night went down below its August low. So it's starting to trace out a pattern of lower lows and lower highs uh, from the July high. Uh, we're still in a seasonally weak time of the year, which stretches out into about mid-October. Um, so that's obviously a factor. 
the inflation interest rate story uh, remains a concern. Uh, I think inflation is trending down, but we could easily go through a bit of a pause on that front, as we've seen in the last week in Canada and last week in the US uh, and in some other countries and possibly Australia in the week ahead. And of course, we're getting this sort of signal from central banks that, yes, they may be at the top, um, but it's going to be higher for longer. And so you're seeing a, a vision upwards in expectations for interest rates for the next couple of years. And in fact, we pushed out our first rate cut from March next year to June next year for Australia. And of course, that puts upwards pressure on bond yields and therefore has uh, implications for equities via the valuation effect. So I think when you put all of those things together and, and this risk of recession is still there, as bond yields go up in the US, you're seeing renewed weakness in housing related indicators. Uh, and that will weigh on the US economy. And we also know that uh, it takes a while for interest rate hikes to show up. I think there's been various estimates that the maximum negative impact from the monetary tightening will occur either late this year or early next year. So those risks are still there. So for all those reasons, I think, yes, there is still more downside risk in the short term. I must admit we clawed back pretty well today. If you look at the, Gosh, the share market, yeah. it collapsed at the open. Uh, when I last looked a moment ago, it was only okay. down 0.1%. So I'm just going to interrupt really you here, back. Shane, um, because now the last of the day's trades have run through. You would not believe it. We're mildly, mildly in positive, positive territory. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that is amazing. Uh, obviously, uh, value seekers looking for value there. And, and, and it is worth pointing out that in our market, I think uh, earlier today, we're in negative territory for the year to date. Whereas when you look at Japanese, European, uh, US shares, they're all still well into positive territory. So in a sense, we have been um, oversold relative to them. That partly reflects the China risks, which to some degree I think are overdone. And so investors have probably felt, well, maybe there's a bit of value there. And of course, uh, I think US futures, uh, as far as I could recall, were rising through the course of today, even though the lead in from the US was quite negative. Yeah, a bit of support in uh, China, Hong Kong too. Just speaking of, of Asia, I mean, you were talking there about when we see the peak in the rate hiking cycle in, uh, I guess, what we're looking at the developed countries, not that Japan is not a developed country, but let's have a look at Japan, which is a very much a different picture. When do they start hiking? Look, I think it's sometime uh, in the next six months or probably around March-ish next year. Uh, I mean, it, get, it gets very confusing, the noise out of Japan. I mean, if you start relaxing your yield curve control, as we know in Australia when that occurred, it is a step on the process towards monetary tightening. Uh, they're seeing their inflation numbers. They've come off the boil a little bit, but if you look at the core rate of inflation that I prefer to look at, which is the one excluding food and in energy, it's uh, it was unchanged at 2.7% today for August. So that's, that's running well above their target of 2%. Uh, wages growth has been edging up, but I, I guess they're still waiting for more signs on that front. Um, but I, I think within six months, prob probably by March next year, they'll be they'll be edging that negative interest rate up into positive territory again. Well, we're expecting to hear from the governor of the Bank of Japan to put a bit more meat on the mm. bones of that decision mm. in about 15 minutes time. So we'll be keeping our eye out for that um, over a glass of wine, I dare say. So Shane, when you think about the week to come, I mentioned that we do have a retail sales here locally. We do have a monthly inflation read mm. as well. A bit of data coming from China, obviously some from the US as well. Um, is it sort of the global PMIs ahead of that, though, that are most interesting right now when we need to gauge the data? To be honest with you, I, I like to look at those PMIs. I find them quite useful. 
they told us six months or so ago or nine months ago that we're, that things weren't as bad, you know, when they started to see that rebound into uh, the end of last year, start of this year. So that was quite important. Lately, they've come off again. Uh, Australia was a bit up today. Japan was down, but obviously the US and Europe are going to be uh, worth watching tonight. I think the European one comes out in less than two hours' time. So they're, they're certainly worth keeping an eye on. And they have given us a fairly timely guide to what's happening in economies. But obviously next week, um, it's look, it's it's a little bit quieter in the US. Um, in Australia, you know, we do have those inflation numbers. I, I, I get a bit frustrated with the monthly CPI because it bounces around quite a bit. Uh, given the measurement issues they still have in that indicator. Um, but obviously it's going to be watched because this is for August and we know that petrol prices rose something like 9% in August. Mm. Unfortunately, it looks like there's a bit more to come in September. So that, that's going to put upwards pressure on the CPI for the month of August. Uh, and I, I think that the Reserve Bank, though, probably won't get too carried away with the headline number. They'll focus on the underlying numbers. And if they're still edging down, then they'll be reasonably happy uh, then we get the retail sales numbers. I think we're going to see a softer number down around 0.2% rise, but softer than it has been in the previous month uh, and consistent with retail sales sort of just trending sideways relative to where they were, say, nine months ago uh, and consistent with with weak re- retail sales volumes in uh, once you adjust for inflation. Um, and obviously, though, you, get, you also get another round of PMIs in um, in China at the end of next week, initially from the Taishin and then on the Saturday, for some reason, uh, mm-hmm. from the, the NBS. So all that, all that data is going to be worth uh, looking at. Um, right now, there seems to be this confusion about the global economy. Is it strong? If you look at the uh, the jobless claims last night in the US, you know, they were certainly on the strong side. Mm-hmm. But you look at other indicators out of the US in the last week, um, like their own leading indicator, which came out overnight, they're all on the soft side. So mm-hmm. a bit of a, a messy picture there on the US. All right, Shane, it is Friday. Time to go look at Succession or, or move down the shelf and get your Rupert Murdoch book out. <laughs> Thank you, as always, right. for joining us on Ausbiz. Shane Oliver Thanks. from Thanks. Thanks. So, Juliet, it's pretty amazing to me that we are closing into positive yeah. territory today. So put that in your pipe and smoke it out there. <laughs> I mean, it was in touch and go there to start. So let's take a look at what led this market higher and what we can read into it. So Costa Group, it was on news. So up by 6.5%, it's decided to accept that revised offer downward, I should say, coming from private equity. Yeah, that was a $1.5 billion offer. And um, so that is something that the market did quite like. I think there was a positive broker upgrade as well on on that deal, the fact that that accepted that lower offer. Uh, Pilbara Minerals seems to be never far from the headlines either. Um, We are seeing this as one of those stocks that continues to be very much in focus with the the lithium news. Mm -hmm. And of course, you've got uh, one of the fundies very much overweight here as well when you when you look at Pilbara uh, Minerals. Well, I had a chat today with Argonaut Funds Management um, and uh, look, it's in the COB newsletter if you have missed that interview. It's also up online, osbiz.com.au. Um, but yeah, we had a good chat about lithium. You know, it's always that, that producer versus explorer. He's sticking with the producers. He actually reckons that there's good value in Pilbara right now, even though the price of lithium has been coming under a bit of pressure. He just doesn't think that it's going to continue in that vein. And so he thinks that this is a pretty good price to pay for Pilbara. Maybe maybe he would have preferred to buy 
yesterday or the day before when it was one of the worst performers, mm. um, but good value there. All right, let's have a look now at the laggards as well. Uh, we are seeing IDP education down by 5.8%, so leading those laggards. Regis Resources, that's an interesting one, down by 3.3%. Um, we were speaking on the trade yesterday to Gary Glover about the gold players. He really likes Regis, saying that he thinks it's a little undervalued. Um, down five cents though today at a dollar fifty-five. And interesting. I mean, I don't know if you can draw a line there between News Corp and Star Entertainment, but uh, <laughs> down by three. Uh, I couldn't get any worse for Star Entertainment. Mm. I mean, yeah, people talk about value. You've got to say that's very, very, very deep value. Getting into that really, really risky territory. Seventy-four cents. So shed about 3% today. Um, I had a chance to look at some of these a little bit earlier on. I'd be curious to see if anything has changed with some of those in the small to mid cap space. Um, just going by memory, we had Symbio leading some of those smaller names higher today. That's because it did have an improved offer coming through. Mm. Um, and elsewhere, if I can recall, just it was sort of a motley crew as it often is with the lag arts. Yeah. And a lot of those in the resource and the exploratory. A little bit small, um, yeah. yeah, space. All right, uh, there we go. Oh, there Simeo, we go. up 18%. Queen Pacific up by 11 And then let's just quickly have a look at the laggards in that small... Ooh, how do you say that? Next Gen Energy it's Canada. It's Next Gen Energy. And it, so this is an auto feed. I've asked for it to be corrected. Whatever. I can't. It drives me crazy, <laughs> but I try my best. And Redbubble. Okay, so that's off by 8%. I was not really aware of any... Um, any news associated with it, but I'm just having a little quick search because that's a pretty chunky move. No, I can't really see, except we did have a change to group CEO remuneration. So we did have the annual report coming through. So some sort of board renewal. So mm -hmm. that's probably why. All right, next week, of course, you were talking, we were talking, I should say, uh, but let's also have a look at what's going to happen overnight. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> just stifling a cough. We got a bit Those excited. Those will be on PMIs. <laughs> that everyone's right. talking about. Got to keep it together for two more minutes. Yeah. Um, okay, consumer confidence coming through. And look, a lot of the Fed speakers too, after they did signal that higher for longer movement, you've got Cook, you've got Daly, you've got Kashkari, Neil Kashkari, all speaking. And um, as you mentioned, of course, those PMIs. Yeah, well, I guess we haven't heard from a lot of them because there's that blackout period mm. before the meeting and now they'll be doing the rounds. Yes, and when we look at next week, I mean, we were talking about that as well with Shane Oliver. We've got those retail sales numbers coming through. Uh, China, always a key one, industrial profits, how that's going to affect uh, what we're seeing in the commod space as well. And the PMI is always a big one. Okay, so just to make it official, the last of the day's trades have gone through the S&P ASX 200. We'll take a look at the SIBO Australia Index. Probably didn't pick up quite no, the same amount of steam because the curtains do come down at 4 p.m. But up above that 7,000 level, I think that's important even psychologically. Mm. So really small gains, um, you know, less than a tenth of a percent. However, it does bring the week-to-date losses below that 3% level. Yeah, 2.89 if you will, so just slightly below there. And if there. I'm not mistaken, I think this is the actual, the first time we've seen a positive finish for the S&P ASX 200 this, this week. week. Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. Takes so just, um, just as a little treat before we go, found a tweet today. Now, I will admit this guy, Ryan Detrick, he's a data guy, but he is quite bullish on equities. And I found this tweet from him 
who is saying, calm down. You know, maybe the U.S. futures are supportive of his view. Oh, it's not working. But basically, this is normal. And every time we see a September like we have, mm. uh, market usually ends higher for the year. I'll find that for you. I'll bring it to a Monday. You'll have to well, isn't it selling May go away, come back in October, and then it's the <clears> Santa Claus rally and everything's fine again? We'll see, won't we? Um, look, we hope you have a good weekend. Thank you so much for joining us throughout the week. If you've got any time, you can catch up online. We also will be sending out our weekend newsletter with some of our key yeah. picks. We'll see you on Monday. See you Monday.